right. Good morning. So good to see you. Like, I never thought, like, because sometimes, like, you get up in the morning when you're getting your kids ready and stuff for church, and it's, like, chaotic, and you're just like, we got to get to church, we got to get to church. And sometimes it's, it's begrudging, but I've been taking it for granted because I have missed it. I mean, I have missed, missed, missed coming and seeing you and coming together. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, it was interesting. My son reminded me of the Princess Bride um, where he's about to, Inigo Montoya and um, the man in the black mask are going to fight, the man in black are going to fight. And he says, why are you wearing a mask? And he says, they're quite comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? How, how accurate he was so many years ago. And um, I, I see that all the time. People are wearing masks everywhere. And um, it's interesting as we kind of press forward with this, our society is never going to be the same um, with all the things that have happened. And you're looking at this and you're just saying, man, God, where are you in the midst of this? What, what is this? What's going on? Well, first off, God doesn't wake up every morning and watch the news. So he, he doesn't, he's not surprised by anything that's going on. He's, he's not shocked. There's no, um, there's, there's no way that God's going, man, I don't know. How are they going to get through this? How's the church going to survive? Or, or all of those things. I mean, just recognize this, that God is still on his throne, that he's still in control of everything, and that we can trust him thoroughly, knowing that no matter what happens, no matter how we go forward in this, that God still has got it. He's always got it. He's always had it. And he's going to continue to take us through it. I mean, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a banquet in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I just want to encourage you with the word of God this morning as we kind of get in. And uh, this, this is pretty heavy-duty stuff because we're right into Ephesians 2. This is probably one of the most difficult passages for some people. And um, it's one of my favorite passages because sometimes I tend to be a little melancholy. And um, so here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, it says, Once you were dead... Doomed forever because of your many sins. I'm reading from the NLT. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse three, all of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy, and, is, and he loved us so very much, that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It is only God's special favor that you have been saved. For he raised us 
from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. Verse seven, and so God can always point to us as an example of the incredible wealth of his favor and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let's pray. Precious Father, I pray in the next few moments you would illuminate your word to us, that it would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray, Lord God, in the next few moments that your word would come alive and jump off the pages through the power of your Holy Spirit, taking it and dividing us between our soul and our spirit and our bone and our marrow. I pray, Lord God, that you would take this word and you would richly have it dwell in our hearts and we would not be hearers of the word only, but that we would be doers of the word, Lord. We love you and thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I wanna give you a statement this morning. Christianity isn't true because it works. Christianity works because it's true. Let me say that again. Christianity isn't true because it works. Christianity works because it is true. If I was gonna devise a system to save people, I would probably be very biased in it because I have natural biases. You have natural biases. In fact, the, um, they have these different studies and I think it's called the Spencer effect. And the Spencer effect says this, with new information that you're given, you alter your behavior. With new knowledge that you have, you alter your behavior. So case in point, we're wearing masks. Some of you are wearing masks because they're helpful. You get that information and then you alter your behavior by wearing a mask. You, you, you get this new information and you alter your behavior by washing your hands a lot more or doing hand sanitizer because you know this is good for you. And so you adopt those things into your life that you know are good for you. These are what we would call biases based upon knowledge and information. Now, God, he is biased towards God. God is biased towards God. In fact, God's not gonna do what's in our best interest. I hear that all the time. It drives me crazy. No, God's gonna do what's in his best interest. That's the beauty of the gospel. Because what's in his best interest, we know, according to Romans 8, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Can you open the door? Because there's some people in the back. Oh, they're waving them around. All right, awesome. Awesome. Maybe somebody will go around and like let them in. Yes, let them in. They're like, We've, we're locked out. We can't get it. They're coming around? Okay. Um, in fact, but God's gonna do what's in his best interest because what's in his best interest is, oh, they're looking like they're leaving. Oh, okay. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that that's what's going to happen. So, so this idea, if God was gonna create this system, this fair system, 
This idea, think about it, his, his bias is for himself. His bias is based upon his foreknowledge. His bias is based upon what's gonna bring him the most glory. So he devised salvation. And that's what, Romans, that's what Ephesians chapter one is all about. And when you read the book of Romans, that's what it's about as well. And so this system that God has created is beautiful because it's not based upon how much money you have or how much you give. It's not based upon what you, what you think about. It's not based upon what you've done or what you haven't done. If God was gonna create a system that's the most fair system ever, let me share with you what it is. It's the system that God has created. It's what system we have in regards to salvation. So it's not based upon your skin color. It's not based upon who your family members are. It's not based upon what your family members have done. Some of us maybe come from really bad, rough backgrounds, but that's not defined for us. When you look at it, the most fair system that could have been ever designed is what God designed for us in regards to salvation. It's this, that God sent his son Jesus and what you do with Jesus determines eternity for you. It's just what you do for Jesus, with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the system. There's no other system. There's no other system designed. And I hear this all the time because it's like, oh, that's so narrow. Well, yes, it's narrow, but it's fair. My daughter's a senior in high school this year. And so therefore, she doesn't get graduation, we don't think. She, doesn't, she didn't get to enjoy her senior soccer season, was canceled. She doesn't get to enjoy all the senior skip days and all the different things that are going on. And I remember having this conversation with my daughter. They didn't have prom. Think about all of these things that, that, that we just take for granted in high school. My, my daughter didn't get any of this. And I'm sitting down, I'm having a conversation with her a few weeks ago. And she just looked and she said, Dad, it's just kind of not fair. Because I feel like everybody else got that except me. Everybody else that's ever grown up in the American high school system has gotten those things. And I'm not gonna get any of those things. It's just not fair. And I looked and I said, honey, what's the dad comment? What's the thing that you've heard your whole life? Life is not fair. Get over it. <laughs> Absolutely. And so it's this idea, but let me share something with you. Salvation is fair because it goes through the person of Jesus Christ and him alone. This is the most fair system because it's only through the person of Jesus Christ. Now let's get in and let me break this down for you through the book of Ephesians chapter two of what we just read. If you're taking notes, there's four things that I want you to see. You can write these things down. You can write them in the flyleaf of your Bible or you can write them on your notes and your phone or whatever because we didn't really hand out anything. If you have the app, you can actually open it and there's a bunch of lines and you can write these in. But my message this morning is entitled, Good Luck Getting Into Heaven and Making Your Life Matter. Because the reality is this, if you're trying to do it on your own, it ain't gonna happen. If you think that you can come alongside God and make it happen. No, the reality is this. According to Ephesians chapter two, verse one, it says this, once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. Let me just stop there. Our natural state is dead. 
spiritually. Our natural state that we're in, that you're born in, is death. I'm gonna give you a really depressing thought. Once you're born, you begin to die because we have sin. Once you're born, you begin to die. And you could say, oh no, little children, they grow. But the reality is this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're born with sin because we get it from our dad. Thanks, dad. Woo! And because of that, it carries us and it's working in us like a cancer that is going to eventually kill us. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And so without Christ, before salvation, you are dead. Dead. You're dead. What can dead people do? Absolutely nothing. Think about it. And the Apostle Paul's saying, once you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. Dead people can't even decompose. They need oxygen to do that. Dead people can't stink because they need oxygen to do that. So dead people, there's nothing a dead person can do. I mean, dead is dead. And the Apostle Paul's saying, without Christ, before Christ comes into your life, you're dead. You're dead. And, and you're doomed. And not only are you dead, but he says this, you used to live like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan. So not only are you dead, but you're like a zombie dead because you're doing what Satan wants you to do. And I hear people all the time, well, I'm not obeying Satan. I'm just doing what I want to do. Oh, okay. Because here's the deal. Doing what you want to do is obeying Satan. Sorry, that's what the apostle Paul says here. The mighty prince of the power of the air, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. If you refuse to obey God, then the spirit at work in your heart is not of God. And the apostle Paul is saying, you are dead spiritually. And what can dead people do? Nothing. If I croaked over and I died right now, and, I'm, and I begin the process, and I'm dead, what can I do? Bake cookies for the paramedics. I tell my wife that all the time. You have about 14 minutes from the time your heart stops beating to the time you go brain dead if you have a heart attack. And in that time, if you don't get blood to your brain in 14 minutes, then you'll be brain dead, and then that's the end. And I tell my wife, if you find me in the yard and, I'm, and I've croaked, and you don't know how long it's been, go in the house, bake cookies for the paramedics, then call them. Because they can resuscitate my heart even though I'm brain dead after 20, it's, it's, it's probably, they, they said it, something between 20 to 20 minutes to an hour and a half, they can get your heart beating again on a machine, but you'd be brain dead. Okay? That, this is modern, modern science, Okay? This is, this is I, I read this and I was like, what? So I told Holly, I said, just bake cookies for the paramedics and then let them declare me dead at the hospital. So don't let, because then you have to turn off the machine and all that weirdness. Just let me die. There's nothing you can do. When you're dead, you're dead. And here's the deal. We were born dead. 
That's what the Apostle Paul's saying. And therefore, because we're born dead, we're gonna do things that are gonna honor our deadness. And our natural state is dead. Romans chapter three, verses 10 through 12. Do you have that? It says this, it is, it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. In your dead state, there is nothing good that you can do and mustard. You can't do it because that's dead. So what can you do when you're dead? Nothing. Is anything good gonna come out of a dead person? No, they're dead. Lost people act lost and we're surprised that they're acting like zombies why, why are we surprised? They're dead. They're dead. I was dead until Christ came in. And that's what the apostle Paul's saying here. He says, all of us used to be that way. Following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature and we were under God's anger just like everyone else. Not only were we dead, but God was mad at the concept of us being dead because of the way we acted when we were dead. We were acting like zombies. We were doing, we were walking dead. Did you ever see the six sins? I see dead people. And he goes, and here's the funny part. They don't even know they're dead. And you look and go, whoa. That's, that's, that's the world that we live in. It's dead. The beauty of the gospel is this. Number two, our dead state requires outside intervention. Only God can save. I love this. If you have your, if you have your Bibles or underline this or, or star it, but God, my favorite so he goes through this dead, you're following Satan, God's anger, the wrath of God is on you, all of this stuff. And then you get to verse four and it says, but God, oh yeah, something good's gonna happen here. What's the good? Here it is. Is so rich in mercy and he loves us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. This is the best part. It's my favorite part. Get excited because this is the good stuff. Our dead state requires outside intervention. Only God can save. Here's, here's, here's what I mean. So if you dropped me in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean between England, Africa, Mediterranean Sea, and America, and you dropped me right there in the middle of the ocean, there are no islands and I'm there and I'm treading water, okay? I'm dead, right? Like, no boats, no nothing, I'm dead. It's just a matter of time, right? At some point, I'm gonna die. Like, I, I basically, you drop me there, I'm gonna tread water for as long as I can, but as much as I'm gonna try to do something, I'm dead, right? That is us without Christ on this earth, okay? That is our friends and neighbors that don't know Christ. They're treading water in the middle of the ocean. There's nothing they can do. They're dead. What do they need? They need outside intervention. 
They need outside intervention. They need a helicopter to come and to drop a lifeline. They need a boat to come and to pull them in. They need outside intervention or they're dead. And the beauty is this, us in our sinful state, exact same. We need outside intervention. And the apostle Paul saying, but God sees the state. He knows what state we're in. He knows what's going on. But God gives us outside intervention. It's, if I was dying, if I was dead here and somebody wanted to bring me back to life or I just died on the table and they start doing the chest compressions, and then all of a sudden, it's still not working, and what do they do? They pull out the paddles, clear. Well, I, what is that gonna do? It's gonna bring, it's, there's a possibility it could bring me back to life. Why? Because I'm dead. I need outside intervention. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our only outside intervention. But God, so rich in mercy and loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace or God's special favor that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms all because we are one with Christ Jesus. Something happens when we invite Christ into our life. Something happens when we confess our sins. Something happens when God saves us. All of a sudden we are united with Christ. Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit of God comes inside us and it's like the dead stony heart goes and I start, my heart starts to beat. God brings life through Christ. How do we know that that's true? Because Jesus rose from the dead. It's the most beautiful, beautiful passage. The heart starts beating again. We're beating for the first time. And all of a sudden, verse seven, and so God can always point to us an example of the incredible wealth of his favor and kindness towards us or grace as shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. You cannot save yourself. You did not save yourself. There's nothing you did. God in your dead state came and brought life. What's the response? The response is this. Thank you, Jesus. The response is, thank you. The problem is there's a whole bunch of people in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean that are treading water and are gonna die. How are they gonna know how to be saved? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says for us to go, make disciples, telling them of the gospel. It's our responsibility to open our mouth to tell them about those that are drowning because they're dead. They need outside intervention and to pray for those people that are, that are outside. My mom, she prayed for her grandmother to be saved once she got saved at 16. And my grandmother, it, I was in college, it was, my, my mom prayed almost 30 years for her grandmother to be saved and at the age of 91, she was Christian science her whole life. And at the age of 91, she said, you know what, this isn't working for me. She said, I think I, I, need to, I need to get what you have, Susie. So she called my mom. 
And she said, I need to get what you have. Tell me about Jesus. And she prayed and received Christ at 91. Let me share something with you. Don't give up on those people. Don't give up on those people that are dead. Don't. God's having you pray for them because God wants to intervene. Don't give up. And I don't, man, I don't, I, I just know that God saves all our prayers and he puts them in a bottle, all our tears and he puts them in a bottle. And the Bible says that the prayers are an incense to the Lord around his throne. So don't stop praying because he's breathing them in for those people that we're praying for and the lost. I don't know how it works, but I know this, that we, as we pray, God moves. And so number three is this. So based upon this passage, our dead state requires outside intervention. Only God can save, and he does it. And how does he do it? Because he's gracious, and he's loving, and he's kind, and he's merciful. Number three, this. Our God sent Christ to make us alive. Our effort amounts to nothing. This is Romans 8. I mean, this is Ephesians chapter um, uh, 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. It's by grace you've been saved. Our efforts amount to nothing. I've got a whole bunch of verses and I'm gonna start going through them. Ready? John 15, five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him brings forth much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Titus 3, five. He saved us, not by works that we have done of right, in, in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercies, he saved us. Isaiah 64, six, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our inquiries like the wind to take us away. Hey, our righteousness, as the Bible says, are as filthy rags. Isaiah, Matthew chapter 6, 27. And which of you, being anxious, can add one single hour to the span of his life? You can't add, you can't subtract. There's no effort that you can do to extend your life. When your time is up, your time is up. Now, do we want to be wise? Yeah, that's why we wear masks. That's why we wash our hands. That's why we practice social distancing. But at the end of the day, we can't add an hour. We can't add a moment. We can't add a second to our life. I smoked a cigarette when I was um, 13 with my brother, my older brother, okay? And it says that for every cigarette that you smoke, it takes two minutes off your life. So I told Holly, I said, so when I'm in my deathbed and they go, I think he's only got about five minutes left. Actually, I only have three minutes left because I smoked a cigarette. It takes two minutes off my life, Okay. <laughs> because I can't add anything to it. Now, there's a lot of things I can do to subtract minutes to my life, but I can't add anything to my life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, the reality is that our God sent Christ to make us alive. Our effort amounts to nothing. You cannot save yourself. God saved us by his grace. Verse nine, salvation is not 
a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. Your works amount to nothing. You can't add a minute to your life. Why, why does Paul tell us this? Because here's the deal. Most of us think that we're doing something in our salvation process. Most of us think that we're taking some effort to make it work. No, the reality is you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and there's nothing you can do. And so it is all God. It is all God who saves us. It is all God who comes in and, and works his beautiful process of salvation in our life because of who he is and what he is and what he's done. And that should motivate us. That should change us to endure a little bit longer when we think we can't go on. To open our mouth to share Christ with the friends and neighbors that don't know Christ. It should change the way that we live. To recognize that our money is not our own. It all belongs to the Lord because we were dead. And Christ has made us alive. And he's given us eternal life. It's why, listen, God, it's all yours. It's, the, it's, it's, that old, it's that old thing. I remember watching this movie of this guy and he, he said, you owe me because I saved your life in battle. So the guy was like helping him in every way that he can because he was supposed to be dead, but this guy saved his life in battle. No, Christ saved our life for eternity. So what wouldn't we give him? He's not holding it over our head. He's just saying, I, I did it because I love you. I did it because I'm kindness. Our God sent Christ to make us alive. Our efforts amounted to nothing. Number four is this. This is the final thing, and this is verse 10, and this is, I want to camp, the, I only got five minutes to, to, to do this, and then we're done. I just want to, I love this verse, for we are God's, Masterpiece. Now, the Greek word masterpiece, it's in, in, the, uh, in the King James, I mean, in the Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. Workmanship in the Greek, that word workmanship is the Greek word pomia. It's where we get the word poetry or poem, okay? So it says that you are God's poem created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's the transition. For the first nine verses, God saved you. God outside intervened. He sent his son, Jesus. There's nothing you can do. Now that he saved you, you are his poem. He's writing a poem. He's giving you purpose and meaning in life. Here it is, number four. Our God also gives meaning and purpose to this life and the next you know how I know he still has a purpose and a plan for each of your life? Because you're still here. It means he's, this poem's not done. He's still writing another stanza. And if you've ever read a poem, sometimes there's some lines that are pretty rough. And the movement moves down. But every time I read the scripture, I see this. I see that you're still here, and so therefore... 
He's still writing the poem, and I know that the next line, the next stanza can be a little bit better. I see that the next stanza could be a little bit greater and a little bit more because he's created you for Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, for good works, which he prepared, I love this, beforehand. That means before the foundation of the earth, God had a job for you and has a job for you. Well, you don't understand. I've disqualified myself because I did this, I did this, I did this. Hey, listen, I needed outside intervention to be saved. I still need outside intervention every day to do what God's called me to do because I'm not writing my own life. I'm not writing the poem of my own life. The God of the universe is writing that poem and he has prepared good works for me ahead of time. And he's doing those things. And so I needed him then for salvation and I need him now. Every moment of every day to continue. Christianity is the only religion that not only brings salvation through Christ, but he brings purpose and meaning through Christ. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I like that the New Living says here, for we are God's masterpiece, Pomia. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm gonna give you this conclusion, concluding thought. Your life matters. We have that? Do we have the conclusion? Your life matters because Jesus sent his son to die for you and rise from the dead. Your life matters because you're still here and God has not finished writing the poem of your life. People are always looking for worth. They're always looking for value. They're always looking for identity. They're always looking for, does my life really matter? Is my life really gonna matter? I go do the same job every day. I go do the same stuff every day. Does anybody see what, what's going on? Is anybody aware of what's happening? Is anybody... And let me tell you something, God sees it. He's aware of it and he's writing it and he's glad that you're being faithful to it. And every good work that you do, know that he prepared that for you to do ahead of time. So you can't take any credit for it because it's him doing it through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Your life matters because you're still here. God has not finished writing the poem of your life. Don't quit. Don't quit, it's not over. The poem's still being written. He still wants to use you. He still wants to use you in people's lives. That's why you're still here. I was talking to a 92-year-old lady, um, and she said, all, my husband's dead. All my friends are dead. She says, God doesn't want me. <laughs> I'm ready to die. And I looked at her, and I shared with her Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and I said, God's still writing your poem. And maybe it's just for that that you're supposed to pray for all, the, all the, the children and grandchildren in your life that are still here. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. I had a friend of mine that had a major stroke and the only thing that he could do was blink for about, it was probably about three or four weeks he was in the hospital while his brain was rerouting. 
He said all he could do was blink. That's all he could do. He said it was like watching his life from the back row of a theater. He could see all the things that were going on, but there was no interaction with the screen, like when you watch a movie. Like his life was going on from this hospital bed, and people would come in to see him and stuff. And I said, well, what would have happened if you would have been that way for the rest of your life? Like, what, what would you have done? And he said, you know what? I thought about that a lot. And he said, you know what? I knew that God didn't make a mistake in what had happened. And I determined that I was gonna be the best prayer warrior for every single person that came across my movie screen. I was gonna pray for all of those people. I was gonna pray for my daughters. He had two daughters. I was gonna pray for my wife. And I was gonna pray and pray, pray until my very last breath because God had prepared good works for me before time and he quoted this verse to me and I was like, wow. Wow. God saved you and he's given you a purpose and it's not for yourself, it's not to obey your flesh, but it's to obey God and it's for his glory and it's for his purpose. Let's pray. Precious Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's truth. Thank you that we can live our life according to it. Forgive us when we don't do the good works. Forgive us when we go back into the old sinful state of obeying our flesh, of obeying Satan. God, help us to recognize whose we are, what you've done, and what you've called us to do. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.